Welcome to Just Go Grind, a show that focuses on helping you launch and grow a business and navigate the ups and downs of entrepreneurship. I'm your host, Justin Gordon, and in this episode, we have Jod Esber, who is a Lightspeed Summer Fellow of the Bay Area, also a fellow at Pair VC. He's currently a Harvard MBA student and the co-president of the Entrepreneurship Club there. And former Google and YouTube employee at Google, he was in marketing strategy and ops. And then at YouTube, he was in creator and artist development. Jod has quite the experience. And in this episode, we go through a lot of different things, including his early work where he actually helped start the Arab Innovation Network while he was at the University of Cambridge, how he's gone through his career and made decisions, ultimately deciding to go back to school to get his MBA and even his experience launching a business while in an MBA program, something that of course is very difficult, and even getting into some lighter topics, including why he has a list of all the different coffee shops he's gone to in different cities. And John is a great guy, I had an amazing time talking with him, and so many insights for careers and launching businesses and venture capital in this episode. As always, the show notes are at justgogrind.com slash podcast. You can support the show by leaving a rating and review over an Apple podcast and sign up for the weekly grind, which is my weekly newsletter where I share tips, tools, and strategies for launching and growing a business. Go to justgogrind.com slash newsletter. You can sign up again every Friday just at justgogrind.com slash newsletter. You get that newsletter every Friday. Without further ado, here is Jod Esber. First, well, I really want to get started was with with YouTube and Google. You did a couple of different things there. Can you just give us an overview of kind of what you were working on prior to starting at HBS? Sure. Yeah. So I joined Google straight out of undergrad. Um, so I studied engineering um, and was interning in the energy space for a few summers. But I always wanted to do something more creative and something more meaningful. And um, I was always very drawn to self-expression as a concept, especially in relation to like identity formation. Um, and I was super inspired by what YouTube was doing in enabling that. They opened up a huge opportunity for people to self-express. And I felt that they, they were having a huge impact in emerging markets. And so I ended up joining a team that worked directly with creators and artists in emerging markets. And I focused on grow- growing the creator ecosystem in the Middle East and North Africa. Um, and sort of during my time at YouTube, I also had the opportunity to work in product. I worked on a curation product um, and then transitioned into a, a role in strategy and operations within a marketing team uh, for a few months, around half a year before leaving for business school. That's awesome. And what, out, out of that experience, like what was maybe like some the biggest takeaway you had from that? Because I imagine you got to meet a lot of different people and do a variety of things. Like what was the kind of, kind of like the biggest takeaway you had from from that experience with YouTube and Google? Sure. I mean, it's such a special company. Um, you, I, I had a really uh, great time. I moved around a bunch and got to experience a lot of different roles and a lot of different work. I think. My work with creators and artists were was really eye-opening. I got to see um, sort of the impact that they have in their audiences' lives. Um, you know, you're, you're doing this podcast, and I'm sure a lot of your listeners who listen to you are discovering things about themselves through listening to you and consuming the content you're producing. Um, and for many of the creators I worked with, they were able to sort of find themselves in that process of creating content, but also help others find themselves. And so that was a really big realization for me. Um, but also working at a big company was 
really interesting. Like you have to sort of think about um, how you navigate internal politics and bureaucracy. A lot of people think Google, YouTube is sort of not a place that has that, but any big company does have that. Um, and so, you know, towards the end, I that's when I started realizing that I wanted to work in a smaller company and wanted to do something more entrepreneurial. Um, so yeah, that was another realization, I guess, more on the negative side, having worked at a big company. Yeah, and with that experience too, working with all these different creators, did that have a pretty big influence on you? Because I know you're writing on on Medium and putting out different content. Were you doing the content already first or was that more influenced by yeah. the work you were doing? Yeah, so I mentioned um, how big self-expression is for me. Um, so from a very young age, I was very, very into writing. Um, and for me, it was sort of like a form of healing. Like whenever I went through something that I thought I thought was challenging, I would sort of put it on paper and just express myself in writing. Um, it started as me writing poetry anonymously online um, and then sort of transitioned to more serious writing. Um, and so I've written about like youth and internet culture, written about AI and, you know, now, you know, writing much more about like music and how music is changing. Um, and so, yeah, I've always been involved in creating, um, mainly in the form of writing. And, uh, and so for me, working with creators was, was really inspiring because I got to see through their lens and their form of creation uh, what their process was like and also help them um, create more and better things and have a broader impact with the work that they're doing. Yeah. And mentioning working with a big company, obviously, is a different experience than in a startup. And you wanted a, a different experience from that. And with the Arab Innovation Network, how did you get involved with this? Sure. Yeah. So, um, so th th this goes back to my my time in uh, at Cambridge as an undergrad. Um, you know, I was one of very few Arab students there, and um, I, I felt very privileged to be at a institution like the University of Cambridge. And um, I wanted to do something to help sort of like share some of the resources and the access that I had there with um, the community back in the Arab world, and. Um, I met a few other Arab students when I was there and we sort of came together and started the student club at the time, um, which focused on that. Like, how can we sort of take the resources and opportunities that we have here and kind of like give back to the community that we're from? And um, like I said, started as a student club and then became a registered charity um, in the UK. And that, that was kind of our start and a little bit more about what the Arab Innovation Network does. Um, so we are a volunteer run charity that focuses primarily on encouraging young people in the Middle East to get more involved in innovation-related activity. Um, I am no longer involved now. It's sort of like I've handed over the reins to a number of really inspiring female community leaders that are sort of running the organization now. I still advise, um, but I'm not directly involved anymore. Gotcha. And when you were involved, like what were some of the things you were doing to sure. to influence innovation and you know, kind of yeah, make more of that happen within that within within that world? Yeah. Sure. So I mean, that's a very wishy washy um, explanation. It's a pretty broad um, focus for us. The main activities we run are community events at universe in university chapters. So the way it's structured is we have these chapters within universities across the region. They're student run, and they run a bunch of community events from talks to competitions um, to workshops um, and mainly focused on diverting 
young people's energy away from negative things to sort of like innovation related activities. And many of them are directly tied to finding jobs. So one example is we run this corporate challenge program where we partner with a corporation, a regional corporation, have them set a challenge for young people. And then the winners of that challenge actually have the opportunity to intern at that company um, and actually, you know, uh, roll out whatever they're working on. And many of them are then sort of recruited full time. So it's a path to employment for many, uh, many of the students involved. Um, Yeah. So it's a combination of community events and sort of like corporate challenges. Awesome. And you mentioned being at YouTube and Google, being at a big company, and then you wanted to get something smaller, a little bit more entrepreneurial. I'm curious as to how you decided then to go the MBA route versus either trying to work at a startup or just trying to start something on your own on the side and then transition into it maybe once it grew. How did you decide to go back for an MBA? Yeah. So it's a a tough question. Uh, I think for me... Um, I subscribe to this um, belief that you can engineer serendipity for yourself. And what that means basically is you can carve out a path for yourself to have as many valuable interactions um, as possible. And, um, you know, serendipity is something that you can craft for yourself. And for me, I thought that going to do an MBA, specifically at HBS, was my way of drawing out a path where I can have these collisions with interesting folks that might inspire me in some way. Um, so that was kind of the primary aim. And then obviously, like, you know, I, need, I needed more of a grounding in business. I have a degree in engineering um, and wanted sort of exposure to more business fundamentals. And I thought an MBA would be useful for that. Um, but also more broadly, like the space and time to grow as an individual. Um, you know, a lot of people go into the MBA um, with some sort of idea of what they want to do. Um, I, I wanted to, to go in there to sort of find an idea and sort of find myself as an entrepreneur. And I feel like I've grown quite a bit um, as an individual through the program. And so I, I'm excited to see how I'll continue to grow as well uh, yeah. for the next year. Yeah, and making that decision to to go to Harvard Business School, were you considering, I mean, there's obviously like Stanford Business, like which is very hard to get into as well, were you considering other other schools or if you didn't get into schools you wanted, were you going to just go get an MBA regardless? Because yeah. it's a decision a lot of people are trying to make. Yeah, no, that's a good question. A lot of, that's true. A lot of people are thinking about this. Um, for me, my, um, my thinking was like going back to this principle of engineering serendipity for yourself, that requires you to be in a space that has a very high caliber of people and also access to resources and opportunities that are going to be useful to you. Um, and I think that doesn't really exist in every MBA program. There are a number of great MBA programs um, that do have that element um, and will allow you to engineer serendipity for yourself. But then there are also programs that might not. And so for me, in my consideration, I wanted to apply to the top schools that would enable me to do that and um, make a decision from there. Uh, YHBS specifically for me, I, I wanted something on the East Coast. I have some family on the East Coast. I wanted to be closer to Europe, which is where I was based prior to HBS. Um, and so that, that kind of came into play as well in making a decision. Yeah. And with that first year, I'm curious because I just went through my first year as well at USC. You know, how, how was that experience at HBS the first year? Was it what you expected or different? I'm just curious about that. Yeah, I'd love to hear your your about your experience too. But for me, um, the biggest um, learning was 
how important it is to go into your MBA with some element of focus. Um, you know, it's so easy to get distracted by kind of the endless opportunities you have access to. Um, and also just like the nature of the program, you're like super involved in like social activities, you've got <laughs> your classes, you've got all the projects that you want to be doing. Um, and so like just how important it is to remain focused. Um, and so for me, it's been this kind of evolution of how can I find more balance and be better at prioritizing um, and sort of there's this concept at HBS, I'm sure it exists at USC too, which is the concept of JOMO, the joy of missing out. Um, yep. <laughs> and sort of learning to, um, <laughs> um, and so I've, I feel like that's something that I've, I've started doing towards the end of my first year. Yeah. And it's so, it's so difficult though, especially in the beginning when you have all these different organizations to join, obviously this, the workload and then the people you want to hang out with and start building these relationships. Cause you're generally interested and curious about what everyone is doing, but yeah, you can't, you literally cannot do everything. I think there's events like every day, it seems like that first year and you just can't yeah. join everything even though you want to. But I will echo that point of coming in with an idea of maybe what you want to do. And yes, you can figure it out during the MBA, but especially, you know, if you're, if you're, if you're like debating consulting, for instance, you kind of need to start going that path early on <laughs> or you're not going to really do as well. And with, with me, at least it was an idea of, I want to get the MBA knowing that I was going to try to start something after would be the ideal situation or just trying to pivot into my, my own things, whatever that may be. And so I knew I was going the entrepreneurial path. So I never even really looked for a summer internship, even in the, like starting in the beginning and knew I was going to pursue more like entrepreneurial ventures and leveraging the fact that mm. you are a student. You have two years to, like you said, kind of figure things out, but you also have two years to leverage that student card to then reach out to people. And it's it's a much easier ask when you are a student. They're like, oh, okay, you're a student. Yeah, it, it's a little bit different when you're back in the working world, it seems like. And so that's something too, that first year just trying to leverage and even thinking about the second year going into that as well, trying to leverage leverage that as well. Uh, and and with, with you at, at HPS, so many different opportunities you said as well, and you have the joy of missing out, but there's also obviously things that you're involved with. Specifically, I want to know about your entrepreneur, entrepreneurship club at HBS, because every school has a different one. But I'm curious as like how you got involved with that and kind of what you were doing the first year with the entrepreneurship, entrepreneurship club at, at HBS. Yeah, for sure. So um, that was one thing I was very intentional about. I knew I wanted to be involved in the entrepreneurial ecosystem at HBS in Boston. Um, and so, you know, from the first few weeks, I uh, sort of made the effort to connect with the leadership team at, at um, of the Entrepreneurship Club at HBS and attend um, events pretty early on and make it clear that I wanted to be involved. Um, and so I joined, you know, in the first few weeks and I saw that a big gap um, in the club, which was, you know, there was this opportunity to create content um, and to sort of um, take a lot of these events sort of document them in some way and then share them with the wider community at HBS and beyond. And so I started a medium page for the entrepreneurship club and also started like, you know, social hand, like, um, um, like social media for, for the entrepreneurship club. Um, our medium page became, um, you know, like a really big platform for the club. Uh, at one point it, it became one of the top writers for venture capital and private equity on um, medium. 
Uh, we partnered with a lot of VCs and uh, and some companies as well to write content on 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 our medium. Um, and so for me, that was kind of my uh, my jumping off point. Um, and then from there, got involved in organizing uh, a bunch of events. Um, and then towards the end of my first year, I um, became the co-president of the Entrepreneurship Club. Um, and for the next year, I'll be helping lead the club. Um, so yeah, I'm really excited about that. The Entrepreneurship Club tends to you know, be like the center um, of the entrepreneurial community on campus. Uh, we do a lot of stuff around career like entrepreneurial careers around content as i mentioned also just connections like bringing together the community uh within boston and kind of enabling um people to form connections that are going to be useful to them so yeah i'm super excited to to see what happens over the next year yeah and that's i mean as one of the people at usc as well kind of co-leading our our club for next year there's so many different plans we have and we're all trying to trying to balance that with you know obviously your personal agendas and you know what you want to do that second year if you're, or if you're starting a company already there's only so much time in a day but you also want to lead this this push and try to do something new and i really like what you mentioned with the content thing i'm going to probably end up stealing that i think and having us do okay. more content for sure uh the medium is a good idea because it's just an easy way to start writing i don't know if people realize how simple it is to do but it's something that is does get a lot of reach especially with uh search on google medium articles and get reach as well and so that is something that i think a lot of people would benefit from and i've also mentioned that to friends of mine who even are trying to just switch industries not necessarily entrepreneurial writing about the industry you want to get into or experience or thought pieces on that, or even interviewing people on those topics can also just give you leverage, build your brand for that to give you opportunities into changing careers or getting involved with something else. And so I think medium is a great, a great platform actually. And yeah, one of the things I want to talk about too is uh, your internship this. So your experiences this, this summer, so your summer fellowship at Lightspeed Ventures, how did you side to do that? And were you considering other options for the summer? Yeah, so I was. Um, so you know you know how I said focus is important? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this was one piece I wasn't very focused on, um, focused with. I actually applied to a lot of internships um, that um, I end up not taking. Um, I, you know, just to kind of give you how broad some of my applications were, I ended up, you know, getting an offer from Bridgewater, which is a hedge fund, and then sort of also getting involved with a startup in the San Francisco area that I, you know, was going to be a product manager at. And, and you know, I had a few things that I was um, considering, uh, very, very different. And, you know, at that point, I was pretty confused. And that's when I sat down and was like, what do I really want to do? And what I really wanted to do was start my own company. Um, and so I sort of made the bold decision to turn down those those internships and focus on that. And I was very lucky to come across um, this fellowship that Lightspeed runs, um, which is an incredible opportunity. I'd encourage any entrepreneur to look into or budding entrepreneur to look into. It's uh, basically the summer program where um, you're able to explore an idea that you have um, risk-free. They give you... Uh, basically a grant, a, a good sum of money, uh, equity-free, uh, to go and work on this idea that you have with mentorship from Lightspeed, from a Lightspeed partner, and also programming, um, and kind of the network that Lightspeed provides you with, office space, all that sort of stuff. 
um, and you kind of go away and, and work on it for, for a summer. Um, and so, yeah, it's been, it was amazing. I actually just wrapped up last week um, and highly recommend for anyone that's thinking about starting a company um, and already has sort of like a team in place and a domain or a market that they're thinking about um, that they'd like to uh, explore. That's awesome. And how how flexible is that once once you're there? Is it like a structured kind of program? We'll we'll teach you things each week, then you just go work on whatever you, you're working on, or how how is the actual like the program itself kind yeah. of work? So it's probably one of the most hands-off programs. There are a few programs like this. Um, they sort of just give you office space. They give you a partner that sort of you can meet with, uh, you know, every week or every other week. Um, and then there is loose a loose program that's you know structured around what you're you know around what you're working on so you know things around like how to assess a market or you know consumer ideas versus enterprise ideas um, hiring how to form a board etc um, but they don't really set milestones for you like many other programs um, it's and that's because a lot of um, the teams that are involved are at different stages you've got teams that have raised and you've got teams that are very much at, on, at the idea stage. Um, and so they want to allow you know, people to work at the pace that they're, that they're comfortable working at uh, without sort of the unnecessary structure that comes with a lot of programs like this. Yeah. And, and how often did you end up then, you personally and your, your team actually working with then the partner at Lightspeed, the pe- people you're matched up with? How did you actually end up you know, working with them or asking them for help? Yeah. Yeah, so um, we had a we had an awesome partner. Uh, she had actually recently joined uh, Lightspeed. Her name is Jana. Um, had a background uh, leading biz dev at Netflix and Twitter prior to uh, joining Lightspeed. Um, and yeah, we met with her um, every week or every other week uh, for like an hour, an hour and a half sometimes. Um, and basically, just it was a great uh, you know like a check in. Uh, to make sure we're making good progress, and if there are any challenges that we are, you know, facing, we'd escalate them, and she'd be able to like help us troubleshoot and problem solve, and also connect us with right the right people to help us do that. Um, so yeah, it was it was awesome. Um, there was also like a program lead, um, Sakib. He um, he was amazing. He leads the program and a lot of biz dev at uh, at Lightspeed, um, and again was a really useful resource in helping us connect with individuals within the company and also outside the company. Um, and just day to day was also there for us if we, if we had any questions or, um, if we were facing any problems that we needed sort of support with. Yeah. And one of the things I just want to go back a little bit. So knowing that you getting this fellowship, which is, which is amazing. Then did you come into that already having an idea? Did you think of an idea? I'm guessing you have to you have to pitch something or I don't know how that process yeah. works. I'm curious as how, how that kind of works with having an idea before you go there versus kind of pivoting yeah, once you're sure. there. How did that go for you? Yes, we had an idea. So uh, my team was uh, myself and two classmates. Um, and we we had an idea that we pitched um, sort of in March when we were applying. And, um, you know, we sort of explored that idea for a few weeks, around a month or so, and found that actually it wasn't um, a very defensible idea. And we wanted to pivot. So we actually pivoted prior to going on the program. Um, again, explored that idea, uh, again, had some go-to-market issues. And then actually within the first week of the program, we pivoted again. Um, and that's what we've been working on actually ever since. Um, and yeah, the program is 
you know, they really do understand that ideas change and pivots are completely acceptable and probably encouraged. Um, being extremely iterative um, and not being married to the idea are like one of the core principles of the Lightspeed program. And um, yeah, we definitely made use of that. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. I think that's just, you don't have a choice though. You kind of have to, if it's if it's not working out how you planned. And I have to go back again one more time because I think this is important too. You mentioned having obviously some pretty amazing options for the summer at outside of Lightspeed. Yeah. How did you go through the process of deciding that you were actually going to go the entrepreneurial route, the light speed route versus, you know, you said Bridgewater, which is, yeah, which is the biggest hedge fund like in the world with Ray Dalio. And like, how did you go through that process of deciding? Was it just, you took a day and sat down and reflected, thought about it, done? I'm really curious as to how you went through that. The way that I approached it was, um, so I wasn't very uh, intentional with the applications early on. As I mentioned, I, um, you know, took a pretty broad approach and applied to a lot of different things. And I think many MBAs do that, um, perhaps out of fear, perhaps out of confusion. Uh, for me, it was probably a combination of the two. Um, and <laughs> I was lucky enough to get back a few, uh, a few offers. And um, that was at that stage, I had very frank conversations with the organizations that I, I had offers from. And um, many of them were extremely open and provided me with, you know, a pretty clear idea of what I would be working on for the summer, what future opportunities would look like, uh, what the nature of the kind of work is, what the culture is like. Um, and I wasn't, I'm not going to say it was an easy choice to turn down some of those options. Um, many of the drivers for why I would have taken them were probably monetary and, um, and for me, sort of thinking more broadly about what I wanted to do um, during my MBA and after my MBA, I had come in with the intention of starting something and I hadn't really done that. And so at that point, I sort of made the decision that I should be taking a risk um, and shouldn't be just accepting these offers for the sake of having kind of a stable option and um, the monetary benefit of, of doing some of them. Um, and sort of just pursued that path of starting something. And Lightspeed program definitely helped uh, de-risk some of that. Yeah. Um, but but I yeah I, I would encourage anyone to make the most of the you know the 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 low risk you have doing an MBA, pursuing something that's slightly different off the wall and that you're you really wanted to try. Yeah, and having that two year time period, like you said, like to to try things, to do things. It is quite an interesting experience to have two years off of sorts. And yes, you're working very hard on an MBA and other things, but you do have two years to kind of explore where you're not expected to have it all figured out right away. And so that is an interesting kind of experience and a useful one. I've definitely found it useful so far to figure out what your kind of next move is. And for you heading into the MBA program, knowing that you did want to start something and then you've spent the summer working on working on an idea, what is it how you expect it? Because you, you haven't done the entrepreneurship thing before. Like, what have you taken away from this experience of trying to build something so far? You know, I had started uh, sort of programs or like, like I mentioned, the Arab Innovation Network, which is a charity in the past, but I hadn't started like a profit-making entrepreneur, like venture. Right, right. Um, and I think the biggest thing for me um, 
starting something is kind of the ups and downs that come with it. A lot of people talk about the ups and downs, like the highs are pretty exciting and the lows, well, they're lows. <laughs> um, and finding balance and learning to be stable, I think was you know, probably the biggest learning for me this summer. Um, not celebrating too much when you, when you have a big win, but also not feeling like you failed when you're kind of at the deepest lows and just maintaining that stability um, is, is really, really vital. Um, whether it's for kind of the motivation of the team and, of, you know, your own morale, but also from like a mental health standpoint, it's really important to take care of yourself and remain balanced. Um, so I think that was kind of the biggest uh, realization for me. Yeah. And just going a little bit further then, what have you done to kind of get that balance or keep that balance as you're building a company? Yeah. Um, so this isn't going to be a great answer, but I think just being <laughs> intentional about it, like being like realizing that, hey, this is an amazing win, but doesn't mean like we're going to IPO tomorrow. Um, so let's not celebrate. <laughs> this is just the beginning. Um, but also like when you're going through a low, realizing that, you know, today, today's a low, you know, today's a bad day and it's, that's fine. It's part of the process. Um, and just accept it and move, move forward. And sort of just being intentional with that uh, was, was really important. I kind of learned that from experience, but also um, having spoken to a number of entrepreneurs, they had mentioned this over and over again. I'm sure everyone listening has heard this a lot, but it's, it, it just makes a huge difference to realize when you're going through an up or a down and sort of taking action on that um, and just making sure that you are in that mental state that allows for that balance. Yeah, and and moving forward then into this second year you're approaching of, of the MBA, what yeah. are you, you're going to be working on this business then alongside of the MBA, you're going to continue, continue it on, and you're also, we're at Pair VC, is that happening still? I'm just curious, what, you're, what do you have going on coming up here with the second year? Uh, yeah, so I am going to be continuing to work on the company, very excited, um, and I, you know, I will continue to work uh, with the, on the entrepreneurship club, helping to lead it. Um, and yeah, during my first year, I got connected with a VC out in the Bay Area called Pair VC, um, and I've basically been helping them uh, with a lot of sourcing, um, diligence work, um, and sort of just building the community out in the in, in the Boston area. And I'll be continuing to do that. I think the interesting thing with with these different uh, projects that I'm working on um, is the overlap, you know, working with a VC firm, helping lead the entrepreneurship club, and also, you know, working on my own company, um, there's a lot of overlap. Um, and so for me, they're all sort of part of one big project, rather than three separate ones. Yeah, it seems like that'd be very helpful to kind of manage all the things you have you have going on. And and with the pair VC, how, did you, how early did you get involved with that in, in the MBA? And how did that, how did that come about? It was literally... Um, a listing in a newsletter. Uh, they were looking for um, a fellow uh, in the Boston area at HBS specifically that could basically help represent them and sort of be involved with them out in the Boston area since they're based in um, in Silicon Valley. Um, and so I applied, interviewed, and then ended up joining. So it was a pretty uh, typical path to joining the program. And how intensive was that throughout the school year just in terms of like the time commitment and the amount of time you're actually yeah. spending on it 
So you put in as much as you want. Um, there wasn't really an expectation in terms of like number of hours. Um, you know, it's, it's very much up to you. If you do want to be very involved in sourcing and want to be involved organizing events, um, then you had the opportunity to do so. I, I personally was really interested in getting involved in the entrepreneurial ecosystem and also supporting Pair. And so I was quite involved in, in a lot of the sourcing work and also um, organized a bunch of um, events and also actually helped with content as well. So I wrote for them. Um, and yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. Um, and if anyone is looking to sort of get into VC or to explore the VC world, I definitely encourage you to reach out to a venture capital firm and perhaps ask if you could be of any like help on campus. Many of them are interested in investing in companies that are coming out of business schools or just you know university ecosystems in general. And so you'll find some would be pretty receptive to ideas of getting a helping hand, uh, helping spread the word and source on campus. Yeah, and with that, so, I mean, you said the events were part of that, and then you also started writing some content. What other things in terms of deal sourcing were you doing, or were those some of the, the main things was, was events? Yeah, so um, so events was one part. We, you know, I also became sort of known on campus for having connections to the VC world. So I would always, um, I'm always generally very open to hearing ideas and being there to support um, entrepreneurs. Um, so I. You know, I always um, accept meetings from people who are starting projects or who are thinking about starting projects um, and remain open to helping people with reviewing pitch decks, etc. And so for me, that was kind of one way in, in, in which I could sort of get involved and, and support uh, budding entrepreneurs on campus. Um, but we also ran a comp competition, um, Pair at HBS, which was um, sort of like a pitch competition. It was like a venture competition. You'd apply with the idea um, and then sort of interview with pair partners and get a sum of money to help you go forward with the project. And so that also was a really good way in which we could get some deal flow. That's awesome. And then, you know, post MBA. So was your ideal situation, you still would ideally just be going into then your company after the MBA. I, I assume that's what you're, you're trying to do still hasn't changed. Yeah. So Yes, I am an entrepreneur to the core, uh, <laughs> and will continue to uh, work on building my my company. Um, I also do really enjoy working with entrepreneurs, like in the trenches, um, and so I, I also see myself continuing to be involved with other entrepreneurs, whether that's in a VC capacity or angel investing capacity, or just sort of as a helper and supporter. Um, and so um, I, I hope to continue to do that too. Yeah, and and with your experience with that, and you enjoy it as well. You know, what are some of the first things someone should kind of think about before launching a business or when evaluating an idea? Just learning on from going on your experience so far. The two biggest things are market and team. So, are you operating in a big market, or is there potential for you to reach a big market? Um, because if you're operating in a small market, well, that's not going to be very exciting for. Um, for you or for a potential investor. Um, and then team is so important, like making sure that one, there is a good balance of personalities and skill sets on the team, um, but also that there's really good chemistry within the co-founding team. You know, one of the biggest things um, I've seen 
is co-founding teams that just don't gel, um, don't really make sense. Um, and so I would focus on that. How do you formulate or kind of structure um, a team that's going to be able to take forward whatever idea you work on? A lot of people stress idea. I think idea is important, um, but it's going to change. And I think from, you know, from my own experience, you start with one idea you're very passionate about and you continue to pivot. And at the end of the day, it's all about execution, all about kind of that journey in finding product market fit. And that's especially true in consumer ideas. Um, so I think those are really core. I think just one thing to bear in mind as well is, you know, you're, you're, you're getting married to your company. You're really committing to it. So find something you're really, really passionate about. A lot of people just want to start a company. Um, and I don't think that's the right mentality. You want to be really passionate about what it is that you're going after. And so I think it's really important that there is that founder market fit. Um, and that comes from the passion you have for the problem you're solving, the users that you are, you know, emotionally connect connected to, um, or perhaps even like the market that you're, um, that you're going after. So I think that's, that's really core too. Yeah. And kind of going a little bit further too, with, with having that and the things you've learned what have been some of the most valuable resources for you, whether it be you know books or podcasts or conferences or audiobooks? What have been some of those most valuable resources for you? I think the most valuable thing before I kind of list off a few podcasts and audiobooks and conferences is just talk to people that you find inspiring. Um, and I think this goes without saying, like reach out to people that you want to connect with and that you want to have a conversation with. And a lot of the times you'll be surprised that they're open to chatting. Perhaps that's not just like, you know, CEOs of companies or partners at VC firms. That's also like your your friend or your peer, your classmate that you admire, you find inspiring and just connect with them and have a conversation with them. I think that's probably the best way to um, to learn, but also probably some of the most valuable resources that are really untapped in your network and your circles. Um, and then sort of more traditionally in terms of podcasts and books. Um, other than this amazing podcast, I really recommend uh, Reed Hoffman's Masters of Scale. Uh, personally, listen, listen to most episodes. I, I think he is an amazing uh, entrepreneur and now a VC and you know, interviews incredible people. Um, so very, very insightful. It's also very well produced and quite funny. Um, I really like a book called Give and Take by Adam Grant. Uh, he basically speaks about um, how you can be more of a giver um, and how you can be a successful giver. So someone that um, is known for giving openly and without asking for anything in return and how that can help you become a successful individual. So I really, really recommend that book. And that was actually one that was recommended to us by Lightspeed to read before going into the program. Um, and in terms of conferences, I'm a very big fan of South, South by Southwest. Uh, I went last year. I'm going to be going again this year. I actually have a, a panel proposal out. So if you are interested, please go vote for it. <laughs> um, and um, I personally find gigs like music shows uh, to be the most inspiring spaces. Um, if you haven't heard, of, heard about So Far Sounds, I'd encourage everyone here to go look them up. They're basically intimate gigs that happen in people's homes or like intimate spaces around the city you live in with uh, sort of a surprise lineup of uh, local, also sometimes regional acts. 
Um, it's a pretty cool community event to get to meet lots of really interesting people, but it's also like a really nice way of, you know, discovering really cool art. And so I, I, I love them and I highly recommend uh, them to your listeners too. Awesome. And I will definitely make sure I link that up in the show notes, just go grind.com slash podcast. Um, so make sure people can find that as well. And, and with all you have, all the things you have going on with obviously the, the MBA and all, you're helping with pair VC, you have your own company. You know, how do you kind of manage your time or prioritize your day to day? Hmm. Um, it's a constant struggle. <laughs> um, it's something that I'm continuing to learn how to do. Um, I use my calendar very diligently. I schedule things um, in Google Calendar, even social stuff. Um, so I, you know, that's one, one way I do it more like kind of logistically. Um, I tend to segment my day as well. So I, you know, focus on one thing in the morning, another thing in the afternoon. Um, I think the best way in which you can maintain sanity is remembering things that you really care about um, and making time for them. So whether that's exercise, whether that's time with family, whether that's time with a loved one or with friends, um, I think carving out time to do that helps you maintain sanity and enables you to be um, really kind of to sustain that on you know that pressure and um, that the effort in kind of continuing to manage everything that you have going on. Yeah, I think it's incredibly important. And one of the last things I want to mention or talk about is you have you have these uh, list of cafes around the world, and you have yeah. many different cities and many different cafes. When did you decide to start cataloging that? Yeah, um, so I I love working in cafes. I mentioned that I write, um, and you know personally just love hanging out in cafes. And that's not just because I love coffee. I really like the atmosphere in, in kind of uh, independent cafes. Um, and so I, it started out sort of as a selfish endeavor. I wanted to remember the ones that I was going to. And so I'd start <laughs> to tag them in Google Maps. Um, they have the places feature. And so I'd, you know, tag them. And, and then I end up amassing quite a few um, cafes that I had tagged. So I started organizing them into cities um, and then decided, let me share them with people. And so I, I post, I, you know, put them on my website um, and I basically have a list of cities, my top three cafes in every city, and then also like a more um, in-depth map of cafes in each of those cities. Um, yeah. And do you have a favorite, like an all-time favorite or a top three even? Ooh, this, this is a tough one. I think. <laughs> <laughs> um, so there's a cafe that, that that's very meaningful to me. Perhaps it's not like the best cafe, but it's one that means a lot to me personally. Um, and it's actually a cafe in Beirut, in Lebanon. Um, it's called Kale, K-A-L-E-I. It's this old house in this really um, sort of like interesting neighborhood in Beirut that was converted into this roastery. Um, they have this outdoor garden and like an indoor space where you can just hang out and work and drink coffee and meet friends. Um, and that's where I wrote my sort of application essay to HBS. That's where I've um, you know, written a lot of the articles that I've shared. Um, and that's kind of generally where I spend some alone time working uh, when I'm when I'm in Beirut. Um, and so it's probably one that I would um, that I'd highlight. Yeah. And you mentioned Beirut I and mean, you've traveled to a lot of different places. I mean, how do you decide 
is it typically for work? Is it for fun? Just travel? I mean, how how does that go? Because you you have a lot of different cities listed for that coffee shop, so cafes. How do you decide yeah. on travel spots? I spend most of my money on travel. <laughs> uh, that's, uh, that is sort of like a intentional choice. I feel like um, travel is probably the most um, important part in helping you develop your perspectives and sort of like meeting interesting people across regions and different cultures, um, exposing yourself to, the, to those cultures. So I, I really value travel. Um, I, I traveled quite a bit for work. I mentioned I used to work on emerging markets, um, the Middle East and North Africa specifically, um, when I was at YouTube. Um, and, and then obviously at HBS, you have a lot of opportunities to travel with your classmates, going back to their hometowns. Um, a lot of you know my classmates organized treks to their to their countries, and so I've been able to do a lot of that. Um, but yeah, I just prioritize it as something that I um, enjoy and value, and um, uh, decide to you know spend a lot of my time and money doing that. Yeah, I think there's a lot of benefit that comes from from traveling, and it's something. That, yeah, <laughs> I always love every single. Every single trip, you get something out of it, whether it be you're just recharging, you meet some people. There's always something that comes from it. And we've had, there's been a few people on the podcast um, that are pretty huge travel fanatics. One is Gary Arndt, who has a travel blog, and he's been to a hundred something countries, I want to say. And he like basically one day, he had a company, he made some money off of that. He sold his house and just started traveling the world. And like, I think he said a few month trip turned into like 10 years. <laughs> it's just kind of wow. crazy how that can happen. And then my, my friend, Christina, uh, I actually met her through, through couch surfing in San Francisco. And a lot of podcast guests have come from that, which is crazy to think about a random occurrence of, of couch surfing leading to meeting this interesting person who knows all these other people and, then you years later you have you have guests on the podcast. It's it's really crazy. All from travel, which is shows the power that travel can can have in your life. Really, yeah. You basically engineer serendipity for yourself. Again, going back to the principle that I um, shared earlier earlier in the podcast. That's one way in which exactly. you can engineer serendipity for yourself. Couchsurfing, yeah. And Jad, you have a lot of different things going on with obviously all the things you're working on, you know, where are the places and where can people go to learn more about what you're doing and connect with you? Sure. Yeah. So my website's probably the best place. So it's just www.jad.me. So J-A-D.me. Um, and yeah, from there you can go on to Medium. You can follow me on Twitter, add me on LinkedIn. Uh, I'm also very happy to have sort of no agenda conversations with anyone. So if anyone wants to connect and just chat, feel free to book some time with me and I'm happy to do that. Awesome. And I will be sure to link that all up. Like I said, in the show notes, just go grind.com slash podcast. Jod, thank you so much for taking the time to come on the show today. I really enjoyed our conversation. Yeah, no, thank you for very much for having me and uh, hopefully chat soon. Thank you for listening to this episode of Just Go Grind. I really appreciate you taking the time to listen. The Weekly Grind, which is my weekly newsletter, comes out every single Friday. You can find it at justgogrind.com slash newsletter. This is filled with tips, tools, and strategies for growing your business. If you want to know how to launch a business, how to grow it, how to get it off the ground, find employees, all these different things. There's a few tips, tools, and strategies every single week I deliver right to you. Justgogrind.com slash newsletter. Check it out. Thank you so much for listening. Talk to you in the next episode.